do you ever find yourself reading the Bible and getting discouraged because you're not exactly sure what it means? Or maybe you're reading a part of the Bible and it feels completely insignificant or irrelevant. So I've got 10 tips that I think will be helpful for you in moving forward with reading the Bible. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and thanks for joining me in the Fox Den. Today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to give you 10 tips for reading the Bible. Now this may seem kind of strange, because we all know how to read, and therefore we know how to read the Bible. But do you ever find yourself reading the Bible and getting discouraged because you're not exactly sure what it means? Or maybe you're reading a part of the Bible and it feels completely insignificant or irrelevant. So I've got 10 tips that I think will be helpful for you in moving forward with reading the Bible. So let's begin. Tip number one, pray. Now you may already do this, or you may think that's a strange tip for tip number one. So let me explain why this is the first tip. The Bible is God's Word. Now I hope to do an episode in the future discussing the Bible as God's Word. But for now, let's just understand that the Bible is the Word of God. God has communicated to us through men who wrote the Bible. In fact, we see in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, that God spoke through men who were moved by the Holy Spirit. Also, we see in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, that God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. So the Bible is God's word to us. So because the Bible is God's word to us, we should pray that God would help us understand the Bible and what God is saying to us through the Bible. Furthermore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells us in verse 11 that only the Holy Spirit comprehends the thoughts of God. The reason why is the Holy Spirit is God. But notice what he says in verse 14. Non-believers cannot understand the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. Now, it's true that they can understand the story of the Bible. They might understand what the gospel is. They might understand theological concepts, but they're not moved by them. They're mere academic exercises that they don't believe. For those in Christ, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to nourish our souls. So because the things of God are spiritually discerned, we should begin reading the Bible by praying and asking God to help us understand what we're reading and that God would nourish our souls by His Word and Spirit. Tip number two, know how the Bible's put together. Now keep in mind, the Bible doesn't read like any other book. You don't pick it up and read from front to back. Now, there is a flow of the Bible, but the middle of the Bible is not the middle of the story. So, for example, in the Old Testament, from Genesis to Esther is Old Testament history. But the book following Esther is not the next chapter in the story. It's the book of Job. So, from Job to Malachi, we have more books that are not historical literature. Job to Song of Solomon is considered wisdom literature, so it's not a continuation of the story. It's a completely different kind of literature. So when you're reading along from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to hit spots that don't make sense because they don't continue to flow. There's even books within the historical books of the Old Testament that break up that flow. For example, 1st and 2nd Chronicles parallel 1st and 2nd Kings. So if you're reading from front to back, 
you're going to finish 2 Kings and hit 1 Chronicles, and you're starting over, and it's not going to make sense. So just know that the Bible is made up of different types of literature. You have narrative language, which is mainly the historical books. You have Hebrew poetry, which is found in the wisdom literature and in the prophets. And you also have letters, or works that are known as epistles. And that's really Paul's works, First and Second Peter, Book of Hebrews, James, and John's epistles. So you have historic narrative in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, you find that in the four Gospels and in Acts. You have Hebrew poetry in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament. And then you have the book of Revelation, which is apocalyptic which is written in figurative language, looking into the future. So at this point, you just need to know how the Bible's put together and know that you can't read from front to back because it's not organized that way. Tip number three, understand the flow of the Bible and know where the book that you're reading fits into the Bible. Now, I intend to do an episode on the Bible story as a whole, But there are other resources that you can go to to get an idea of of the flow of the Bible. But it's important to know on the timeline where you're at. So, for example, as you're reading of David and Goliath, you know that the people of Israel have already entered the Promised Land. The time of the judges has passed, but it's also before the divided kingdoms and several hundred years before Jesus Christ is even born. Or as another example... As you're reading the book of Isaiah, you have to know where it fits in the timeline of the Old Testament. Because again, the Old Testament isn't meant to be read from front to back. So the prophets fit within the timeline of Old Testament history, and they fall primarily during the time of First and Second Kings and Second Chronicles. Or if you're reading in the New Testament, one of Paul's letters, you know that it was written during the time of Acts. So it's very important to understand the flow of the Bible and know where the book of the Bible that you're reading falls in that timeline. Now, as a side note, I do intend on doing an episode on the flow of the Bible so that you get a better understanding of how the Bible moves from front to back. Tip number four, know the type of language that you're reading. For example, when you're reading history, it's narrative. And so the intent is different than that of poetry or of prophecy. When you're reading the poetic books, understand the use of figurative language. So, for example, Psalm 98 verse 8 says, let the rivers clap their hands. Do rivers have hands? Of course not. It's figurative language. So, we have to be careful that we're not understanding figurative language as literal. Now, when we're reading the Psalms, it's usually pretty easy to do that. But what about the book of Revelation? It is filled with figurative language. And so we have to be careful that we're not taking certain things literally when the intent is figurative. There's a literal meaning behind the figurative language without a doubt. But we just have to understand that we're not forcing figurative language to say things that it's not saying. So, for example, Psalm 98 verse 8 If we were to take that literally, we would say that rivers have hands. So my caution here is just understanding that certain styles convey meaning in different ways. Storytelling is done through narrative language. Prophecy is a different style than narrative. Poetry uses figurative language to convey a particular meaning. 
So we just have to be aware of the style that we're reading and make sure we're not making it say something it was never intending to say. Tip number five, know that the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, is primarily about Jesus. Now that may throw some of you off because we don't see Jesus in the Old Testament or we don't see the man Jesus in the Old Testament. We see him born in the Gospels and resurrected in the Gospels. Now, we do see him in the Old Testament in several different ways, but we see the event of the birth of Jesus in the Gospels. But that doesn't mean the Old Testament isn't about Jesus. For example, after the fall, God cursed the serpent and told him that the seed of the woman was going to defeat him. That seed that God spoke of was born thousands of years later, and that's Jesus Christ who defeated Satan with his death and resurrection. Or take the Exodus event. It is filled with imagery that points forward to Christ. The slain lamb, the blood on the doorpost, the Passover, the actual event itself where they are taken from slavery and moved to the land of promise. Even though that was a historic event that actually happened, that's what Jesus is doing rescuing us from slavery to sin by his shed blood, and he leads us into the promised land, which is coming at the resurrection. Or take the bronze serpent in Numbers 21. Even Jesus said that the bronze serpent was pointing to him. He says that in John chapter 3. Now keep in mind, the Old Testament is actual history. It really happened, without a doubt. But even in that history, God is moving to bring Christ to earth to rescue us from sin, death, and the devil, but along the way, he's telling us about Jesus. And at this point, let me direct you to episode 8, where I talk about how God acts out the gospel in the Bible. So as you read the Bible, know that the Bible is primarily about Jesus, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is actual history. It really did happen. But just keep in mind that God is telling us about Jesus and he's bringing Jesus to earth to rescue us. Tip number six, don't read yourself in the story where you don't belong. It is our sinful human tendency to try to find what does the Bible say about me, as if we're the main character of the story. We're not. Jesus is the main character. We are characters in the Bible, but we're not the main character. So just be careful not to Read the Bible as if you're the main character of the story. What the Bible does say about us is we're absolutely wicked, yet God, by his grace, came to rescue sinful man. So for those who are apart from Christ, they are evil and they hate God. But for those who are in Christ, they're evil and God rescued them from their sin, from death, from the devil. God did it. And now that we are in Christ, we are redeemed. We are rescued from that, not because we deserved it, in spite of what we really deserve, which is God's condemnation. You see, we're saved by God's grace. So as you read the Bible, make sure you understand that Jesus is the main character, not you. Tip number seven, read large chunks of the Bible. And by that, I mean several chapters at a time. If you're reading Paul's epistles, try to read through the whole letter in one sitting. You might even read it a couple times, not necessarily on the same day. So, for example, read the book of Titus through. Then the next day, read it again. Then the next day, read it again. 
And it's interesting the things that you pick up the third time that you didn't see the first two times. Now, the reason why this is important is so that we understand what's being said within its context. And again, understand kind of the historical context where the book is written. So, for example, Paul's letters were written after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. And Paul is writing these letters to different churches throughout Asia Minor. And as you read larger chunks of the Bible, it just helps you understand a little bit more. So, for example, this is one of the favorite verses among Christians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Now, we usually take this verse as if it means I can conquer anything, but that's actually not what he's saying. If you read verses 10 and following, he's saying that he lived in prosperity and in poverty. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. You see, it's not about being a superhero. It's being able to handle the circumstances in which God put you. So I think it's going to be helpful for you if you read larger sections of Scripture. Tip number eight, don't get discouraged if you don't understand everything. You have to keep in mind that the Bible is not a modern book. And by that, I mean it wasn't published last year. It wasn't even published last century. The Bible was written over 2,000 years ago. And it was written in two languages that aren't used today. Yes, there's Hebrew and Greek today, but languages are dynamic. They change over time. So in a sense, they're dead languages. Now, I remember when I was studying Greek in seminary, I was on a flight and I was looking through my Greek New Testament, and a passenger sitting next to me was intrigued by what I was reading, and I told her it was a Greek New Testament, and and told her that we learn to translate the New Testament in the Old Testament, but we don't learn how to speak it, and she was mystified by that. Why wouldn't you learn how to speak it? Because they don't speak New Testament Greek today. Why would you learn how to speak a language that nobody uses? So again, they speak Greek today, but it's changed over time. So so keep this in mind. The Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew over 2,000 years ago, and today it's been translated in other languages. So you're trying to take something that was written that long ago and translate it using words in our common languages to convey the meaning. Now, for the most part, we can do that, but there are difficulties in this process. But also keep in mind, these were written to different cultures. So the Old Testament was in a Middle Eastern culture. The Greek New Testament was written within a Hellenistic culture in the area of present-day Turkey and present-day Israel, North Africa. So the culture is completely different than our American culture. So they say different things. They use language differently. For example, one of the things I learned when I was in seminary is when they talk about going up to Jerusalem, it means going uphill. In English, we commonly use going up someplace to mean north. So for example, if I were in North Dakota going to Texas, I'd say I'm going down to Texas. But in the Bible, if you're in Jericho and you go to Jerusalem, you'd go up to Jerusalem, even though Jericho is east of Jerusalem, because you're going uphill. So they even use language in a different way. So it's not uncommon for the Bible to not be really clear for us in the 21st century, but you have to understand why. So the bottom line here is don't get discouraged if you don't understand everything. Because more than likely, you're not. Some things just won't make sense. Because they're speaking from a different time, a different culture, and a different location than you're at. And then tip number nine. 
write down any questions, thoughts, or big ideas that you come across. If you write down any questions, try to take some time to answer those questions. Now, at this point, I'm going to encourage you not to go out and buy a whole bunch of Bible helps, things like dictionaries and encyclopedias, concordances, and things like that. Most of this stuff you can get free online. Now, one place that you can go online to get some of these resources is studylight.org, and they have a bunch of different types of study helps that you can use. Now, let me say this at this point. Think for yourself. Don't make the commentaries your first stop. Read the Bible. Think about it. What's he trying to say? If you have certain questions, try to answer the questions. But don't go immediately to commentaries, as if that commentary writer has the right answer. You have to understand the commentaries are written by people from different perspectives, which means they don't all agree. It's one man's commentary. So definitely use Bible helps, dictionaries, encyclopedias, but be careful to go to commentaries for first thing. Think about the passage on your own before you go to the commentary. Go there to see if you're on the right track. But also be careful which commentaries you're using. And then tip number 10. Rest in the fact that God uses his word to nourish your soul. So even if you don't use these 10 tips, God is bigger than any of us. He can work through the challenges. Even when you don't understand everything that you're reading or hearing, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to change your heart. God will nourish you by his word and spirit. So also keep in mind, these are 10 tips, not 10 laws. These are just some tips that I'm giving you that I think may be helpful to you as you're reading the Bible. So with that said, keep reading and trust that God is going to nourish your soul. 